One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Molly Jong Fast, no relationship to Kim Jong un. I'm a left wing pundit and a writer at The Atlantic and Vogue. And I'm Andy Levy, former Fox News and CNN HLN guy and current cable news conscientious objector. And I'm producer Jesse Cannon, and I'm here to make sure things don't go too far off the rails. We're here to have fun, smart conversations with the wisest and funniest people in science and media and politics that help make what's happening today clearer. Our world has been turned upside down, and on The New Abnormal, we'll talk about the people who got us into this mess and how we'll hopefully get ourselves out of it. Hello, and welcome to another Sunday bonus episode of The New Abnormal. And We thank you so much for being here. Today, we have an extra special episode with David Dijon. He's the author of Nazi Billionaires, The Dark History of Germany's Wealthiest Dynasties. And we're going to talk to him about his book today. But first, let's have some fun. All right, you guys ready to listen to some really fun clips this weekend? Let's do it. You sound very enthusiastic. Yeah, come on. (laughs) Okay. This is the high point of my weekend. (laughs) So, former President George W. Bush, uh, he gave a little speech. Remember when we used to care about these things called gaffes? I, I think he made one. Let's listen. In contrast, Russian elections are rigged. Political opponents are imprisoned or otherwise eliminated from participating in the electoral process. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. (laughs) Iraq, too. Anyway. uh, (laughs) 75. Uh... Hilarious. Nothing funnier than war criminals making jokes. I know. You know it's not too funny to? Iraqis. Yeah, no, I know, I know. But that said, it's still pretty funny. <laughs> You're the worst. You guys are on team. This was a joke and not a senior moment. Oh, it was completely a gaffe. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think he was making a joke. Some people seem to think it was a joke. Uh, no, I don't think so at all. No, I don't think so. I think he's 75, and he was thinking about how he's a war criminal. (laughs) I think he thinks about Iraq all the time, right? Iraq was the biggest thing on his mind since the day he got elected. Yeah. That's all he wanted to do was finish daddy's job. So this is a guy with a a really long, rich history of saying the wrong thing. Yes, So I, I do not think this was a joke. It was a little interesting that if you listen to, like, after he corrects himself and he gives his little laugh, and then he says Iraq too, like, under his breath. So it was— No, I think he says he's 75. No, that's what he says after uh, After that, after that. Now you really just hold on yourself. <laughs> like yeah. it's, I saw that happen, and my jaw just hit the floor. Like, he said it. He actually said it. Amazing. Yeah, I just can't wait for those Kissinger deathbed confessions. Oh, God. <laughs> you people with your Kissinger, he's never going to die. <laughs> it's not funny. You're, when you're undead, you can't then die. It's true. Okay, well, let's let's move on to another cursed person from uh, the Republican side of things. Uh, one Clarence Thomas had some thoughts. Oh, good. 
We haven't heard from him in like an hour. Well, I, yeah. I have good news. He says he's going to resign from the Supreme Court. Just listen. What? I think I would have heard about that. One of the things I say in response to the media is when they talk about, or especially early on, about the way I did my job, I said, I will absolutely leave the court when I do my job as poorly as you do yours. <laughs> and that was meant as a compliment, really. <laughs> It's hilarious. And some might say ironic. <laughs> since he is terrible. I don't even know how that was meant as a joke. Does he know what a joke is? No. <laughs> I think we can agree that he has no idea what he's talking about. The thing I think about is that, you know, he has a job that's in common with us in the media, which is that you're supposed to ask questions. And yet, for 10 years, he asked no questions on the job, so... Uh, uh, he was sleeping. <laughs> yes, yes, famously <laughs> sleeping all the time. Look, sometimes when you need to oppose the wokesters, the best way to do that is to literally sleep. That yes. shows your opposition to being woke. That's right. And so I think that's what he's doing. It's a form of protest when he sleeps it's and should be treated protest. as such. Exactly. Very peaceful protest, except for the snoring. Some might say very peaceful. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, a hearty fuck you to that guy. Yeah. I know we're not even on that part, but I still think we should be. It's a bonus fuck you. Yeah, I think that's good. I think, yeah. This is the same guy, by the way, who is fretting about the leak destroying the integrity and credibility of the Supreme Court while his wife is out there trying to you know, overturn elections. destroy the credibility so, of the Supreme yeah. Court. Fuck that guy. So uh, in other news, uh, Kevin McCarthy, a man who goes by the Twitter tagline GOP leader, he has some very, very crucial thoughts about what's going on in Congress today. You may be asking, what's Peloton? It's a bike that costs about $2,000. Not only that, each month you pay a monthly subscription fee to ride your $2,000 bike. And best of all, it's stationary. <laughs> and they charge you about $300 to set it up. So it's a $2,000 bike that you pay to use and pay to set up that doesn't go anywhere. What's a business like that? <laughs> now, Speaker Pelosi decided to give everyone in Congress a Peloton gym membership. Okay. <laughs> He's learned about... Uh, stationary bikes something. <laughs> I wonder how long it took him to understand about that. Peloton, the company that famously invented the stationary bike. <laughs> Tell me more. He kind of looks like a guy who would have been in an 80s commercial for a stationary bike to me, if I'm being honest. I could absolutely see him wearing leg warmers in the 80s. <laughs> I don't know. I love the whole fucking thing. Oh, no, I'm not not opposed to it, but I yeah. could see him with, like, the sweatband, the leg warmers, and the sort of the, not the tank top, but, like, the sweatshirt with the sleeves cut off. I could see him in a tank top. No, I see him more in, like, a gray sweatshirt with the sleeves cut off, and he really doesn't like Peloton. Well, I mean, the good news for him is Peloton is, is going to hell as a company, so. <laughs> yeah, good. Lucky for him. Lucky for all of us. I guess he's happy about that. <laughs> Man. I mean, we have a Peloton power user on this podcast. Do you care to defend this, Molly? I stopped using the Peloton. Did you? Yes. You know why? You realized it didn't go anywhere? <laughs> yes, that's why I stopped. No, my shrink made me stop using it. 
<laughs> because I was too obsessive. Be, no, that doesn't sound yes. like something that would happen to you. Oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and I was too obsessive, and I spent hours and hours and hours on it. And my shrink made me stop using it, so I've gone cold turkey. And over the last <laughs> month, I have been not using the Peloton. Thank you. Wow. What are you doing with all that free time? This has become free therapy for me. Um, I can't believe how much free time. I have about nine hours a week of free time. Did you take up smoking or something? Like, how do you fill that time? <laughs> yes. Hunting in Central Park. Hunting. Oh, Hunting. okay, good. Yes. Good. Hunting. With the bow and arrow in Central Park. <laughs> Excellent. That That's is good. great exercise. People yeah. who say it isn't have never done it. They obviously have not. All right. So our last clip, it is on the Jesse Waters show. He has on a lady... She's wearing cross earrings that are very large, and she's suing her school district that her son goes to. Oh, this is amazing. Because of critical race theory being taught in the district, and now, well, I'll let her explain. All right, so, Melissa, your your son is, uh, the father's black, you're white, and he'd never mentioned issues with race before, you're saying? What exactly changed? Right, we didn't have issues before. He's in eighth grade. They introduced this critical um, program, and now he's having racial issues that what, was not there before. What kind of racial issues is he having? Well, he's seen himself just as a black man. He's seen things that don't go his way as racism, um, and he's finding safety in numbers now. So when you're saying he gets a bad grade at school, he blames racism or... A girl rejects yes. him on a date. Racism. Are those the kind of things you're seeing? Yes. I ask him to clean the house. Racism. Yes. <laughs> you're kidding, right? Are you serious? <laughs> no, I'm serious. They have totally changed his perspective. They have put him in a box. <laughs> I, again, I want to just take a minute to talk about how stupid Jesse Waters is. Like, you can't even ask a question without being the dumbest person in the room. Yeah. No, he's the dumbest person on cable news, as I have said over and over again. This is the worst mom in the world. <laughs> like, she has just ensured that her son is going to be bullied. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speak for yourself, man. I love that mom. She's the best. Molly. Molly. <laughs> <laughs> if he try, if he doesn't want to clean his room, that's racism. And and Jesse Waters thinks she's kidding. I mean, but to go on national TV and talk about your son like that, who's in eighth grade, she just ruined his life. Well, you yeah. and I have very different ideas of parenting. That's all I will <laughs> say. Well, she's well within her rights. <laughs> it may stem from the fact that I've that I'm not a parent. Yes, if you had children, you would be much more cavalier with destroying their lives. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I, I too would be going on national TV to de to denounce. Yes, them. No question. Yes. <laughs> I was kind of shocked when he said, can't get a date. He didn't say, you know, you should try letting the air out of the girl's tires. That'll make them go out with you. Yeah. It's okay. Once he has interns, he'll be able to get dates. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh. I hope Jesse's not right. listening to this. Don't uh, tag him. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. 
feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, there's something I've really been needing to get off of my chest lately, which is that everyone and their mother should listen to the Andre 3000 album because it lifts my spirits on a regular basis, 1000%. We all carry around different problems, big and small. And let's be honest, when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It's like this safe space where you can unload all those burdens and start figuring out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy can make a difference. I know this from firsthand experience. And it's not just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for anyone who wants to improve their mental well-being. Therapy can help you learn coping skills. It can teach you how to set better boundaries. And it can make you be a better version of yourself. If you're considering therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, which means it's convenient, flexible, and fits into your schedule seamlessly. Plus, getting started is as easy as filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And the best part, you can switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. So why wait? Take that first step towards a happier, healthier you with BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash The New Abnormal today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash The New Abnormal. David DeJong is the author of Nazi Billionaires, the dark history of Germany's wealthiest dynasties. Welcome to New Abnormal. David. Thank you. It's good to be here. I love David DeJong, no relation, same last name. Indeed, <laughs> we are. Yes, so this is good for transparency's sake. You know, we, That's we, right. should, state <laughs> that, we should state that up front. Yes, I have a feeling you're from the Dutch DeJongs. I am from the Dutch. Let's talk about this book, Not Billionaires. Explain to me how you got to write this book. I was a reporter at Bloomberg and I was reporting for a team that investigated hidden wealth and, and billionaire fortunes. And I was actually hired as a US reporter to cover like the Cokes and, and the Waltons who control Walmart. But because I'm Dutch, they soon asked me to cover the German speaking countries uh, from New York, actually. And I stumbled upon these stories of business and finance and history, you know, very closely interlinked. And what, what struck me was that these German business dynasties that I was writing about were basically still, you know, had the most brutal Nazi histories profiting, you know, from slave labor, from slave and forced labor, from mass weapons production, from stealing the companies of Jews or other people in Nazi occupied territories, that they were still laundering 
you know, the or whitewashing the patriarch's names, the men who had committed these crimes during the Third Reich through global philanthropy. So today you have, for example, you have the BMW Herbert Quant Foundation. Herbert Quant was a save. He saved BMW from bankruptcy in 1959, but he also oversaw the planning, building, and and uh, dismantling of a of a subconcentration camp in Nazi-occupied Poland in 1944, 1945. He had the responsibility over a factory in Berlin, where, among other people, 500 female slave laborers from concentration camps were held. He stole companies, or he acquired companies so seized from Jews in France. Uh, he used forced laborers and prisoners of war in his in his private at his estate during the war. But now you have the BMW Herbert Quant Foundation, which is which its motto is inspire responsible leadership. <laughs> you can't make it up. And and there's no there's nothing on the website. I mean, it's a global foundation, right? I mean, there's many right. grantees in, in in the United States as well. And there's nothing on the website except for the fact that he saved BMW from bankruptcy in 1959 on any of his crimes, or there's no historical transparency, whatever. So that actually, Porsche is, is doing a similar thing with its with its icon, Ferry Porsche, who designed the first Porsche sports car. And he was in, he applied to the SS in 1938, was admitted as an SS officer in 1941. In the 50s and 60s, he surrounded himself at Porsche with former high-ranking SS officers, some of whom's death sentences had been commuted by the by the United States, but they they you know they were responsible for the most horrific massacres. And in 1970, in his first biography, he wrote down the most vitriolic anti-Semitic you know sentences about Porsche's co-founder Adolf Rosenberger, who was pushed out of the company in 1935 and uh, was erased from companies from from Porsche's history. So the fact that these men are today being held up as these kind of examples solely because of their business success, right? right? It led me to ask this question, you know, does business success trump morality? Is that so is, is because somebody is successful in business, you are not going to include, you're going to basically erase any of, of their crimes and sympathies that they had during the Nazi era. And so it, it was these contemporary findings that led me to dug into this history. I moved to Berlin and I, I, did research and writing there for four years, and um, that's how it came about. You know, it's this idea that behind every great fortune is a great crime. Yes. Which is something that I always talk about in my house. What were you the most sort of surprised by? Because we know that a lot of people got, got away with it after the Holocaust, right? But what were you the most sort of, what was the most brazen of the things you encountered while writing this book? I think the sheer magnitude of the crimes stunned me. I went in expecting naively, perhaps, that it was going to be somehow contained, but it was just so, not only the size of the crimes, like the tens of thousands of slave and forced laborers, people, you know, these men used in their factories and mines, hundreds, if not thousands, that did not survive as part of this corporate exploitation system. But also just the, she the sheer magnitude of, of the companies that they stole and the assets that they stole of Jewish people, of people living, you know, in Nazi occupied territories whose livelihoods were just taken away from them. And it was the sheer magnitude still and a, and a cover up after the war and today that struck me most. Because in Germany, what they do is whenever a, a business family or, or a global brand like Porsche and BMW are, are confronted with, you know, a media story that investigates their Nazi histories. The first thing they do is they, they, they commission an academic study to pacify it. And then four years later, you know, this academic study in dense 
academic German is published and they say, well, it's all in there. But the reckoning, it's not a sincere reckoning because who is the reckoning with, right? It's not with the, it's not, I mean, the Germans weren't the victims, you know, for the most part, weren't the victims here. People from the majority of forced enslaved laborers came from Poland, Ukraine, Russia, Belarus. There's no reckoning with them. It's not a reckoning with the victims and, and, and the heirs. This blatancy and the cover-up is just what shocked me. What family do you think is the most egregious? I think the Quans, who are the part of the Quans that control BMW today, which is Germany's wealthiest family today, are most egregious, as is the Porsche family, because they maintain these because they maintain these global foundations and you know have this not only control these global brands that you know many people use in the u.s as well many people use and consume daily but the fact that they launder you know that they try to launder the names of 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 their of their patriarchs through global philanthropy i think is 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 most present i mean what could be done I mean, reparations, what do you see as a possible fix to this? So most of these families actually paid compensation to forced enslaved laborers. After the Iron Curtain fell, you know, there were all these survivors of forced enslaved labor who started suing, you know, German companies, mainly from the U.S. There were all these litigations, like class acts, were instigated. And as a kind of mass compensation fund was initiated through the German government together with German business. Most of the families in my book paid into that fund. It wasn't it wasn't forced, and they also didn't have to admit any guilt. That was kind of the deal. What I am arguing for in this book, and that's also the driving argument of the book, is historical transparency. Is when you maintain global corporate foundations, headquarters, and media prizes in the name of somebody who may have designed the first Porsche car or may have saved BMW and made their family, you know, control tens of billions. You should also be transparent about their crimes during the Third Reich, because only somebody learns from history by being transparent about by showing the good and the bad. And if they refuse to do that, they should rename these foundations or these headquarters or, or these media prizes. I mean, it's it's obscene that today in Germany you have a media prize named after a known Nazi war criminal. Right. Interesting. Did you feel that these families felt that they still had sort of guilt and shame for what their families had done earlier on during the Holocaust? I think they found it extremely difficult. Listen, these people are heirs, right? Right. They are completely in the shadows of their fathers and grandfathers because who are they without their fathers and grandfathers? Because, you know, they did not create unfortunates themselves. So their entire identity, in my view, hinges upon the successes of their fathers and grandfathers. It is only when they are forced to deal with it that they respond to it, but that they do it in a way where it remains contained to Germany, where they also, I feel, that they lean on a certain culpability in Germany. Oh, you know, everybody was involved, right? So the reckoning is then sort of with the Germans, but that's strange because, you know, I mean, after all, yeah, it was the Germans, again, for the most part, were not the victims of Nazi crimes. So that is a kind of a way that they're that they're dealing with it. But 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 in my opinion, for the most part, this reckoning is, is not sincere. They have billion dollar brands and fortunes on the line. So they have to find a sophisticated way to say that they've dealt with it, but not actually dealing with it. Thank you so much for joining us. This was fascinating. Thank you, David. Thank you, Molly. It was a pleasure. On that note, we'll wrap this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. 
In future episodes, we'll be talking to smart folks from the Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science who will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.